I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 318. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. There is a way God cares for us that should transform the way we think and the way we respond to the cares of this life, the cares that tend to take over our lives. And this week, I was inspired to study the words of Jesus in the book of Matthew, as inspired by Taryn Wells' song, Like You Love Me. Get ready. Jesus makes some arguments to prove a point that we all need to hear this week. So before we dive into the book of Matthew, let's listen. Whenever the clouds into my mind I won't forget it's you who tells the sun to shine every birthday every night every second thought about tomorrow's wasting time What Tarn is singing about here is found in the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. It's actually in the middle of one sermon, the part of scripture commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. And so if you follow my favorite bite of reading in context, you should probably read the entire sermon. In this case, it starts in chapter 5 and it ends in chapter 7, which is perfect because even if it were not one whole sermon, I always encourage you to read at least the whole chapter where your focus verses are. Uh, But I highly recommend reading the chapter before and the chapter after you're in, and then that way you get the entire context. Oh, and if you're a new listener to the podcast, BITE, B-I-T-E, is just an acronym for Bible Interaction Tool Exercises. And these are the exercises I use to interact with God's Word. And reading in context is my all-time favorite. So when you read this sermon in its entirety, you will see that Jesus went up on the mountain, and he sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach. And I read that in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. I didn't have to read a commentary or do anything else other than just kind of read the beginning to get the context of what's happening around this sermon. Now, I might ask a few more questions at this point, which is another bite, by the way. Um, Ask questions. You probably naturally do this, but feel free to jot them down and then you'll begin to really see your own thought processes. Uh, But crazy questions are totally allowed here, by the way. And sometimes one crazy question will lead you to another question that leads you to an aha moment. So be curious, 
ask questions of the text. And my question here is who are his disciples? So to learn more about that, we would have to zoom out a little bit and read even more context. If we stay just here in Matthew, all we have to do is bump up to chapter five to see Jesus calling brothers Peter and Andrew and then brothers James and John as well all four fishermen, calling them to follow him. And you can seek out more information about the 12 disciples closest to Jesus by reading in the other gospels or to continue reading. Uh, Also, just recognize that there will be other disciples besides the 12 that are following him in these crowds. And so some of the people in the crowds are not disciples, not followers of Christ, but others are. But there are 12 that we read about that are closest to Jesus. So the more you read about these, these disciples, the more you can imagine how Jesus is, how his teaching will impact them personally. In fact, that leads us to another bite, which is remember the people you read about in the Bible were real. So when Jesus is teaching them not to worry about food or clothing, they may very well be worried about food and clothing. They just left their jobs to follow Jesus full time. And we know at least one of them, Peter, has a wife. It's probable that the others do too, although it's not mentioned in scripture. Wives generally mean families, so they may very well have had children. Of course, they're worried about what they're going to eat and what they're going to wear when they quit their jobs to follow Jesus. So just remember that the people sitting at the feet of Jesus, don't picture them as a crowd. Picture them as individuals uh, that were real people with real concerns at the time. But I'm going ahead. I'm getting ahead of myself because uh, we haven't really read our focus section yet together. We find that in Matthew chapter six, starting in verse 24, it says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will be put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more valuable value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. All right, so at this point, you will hopefully have read the entire sermon in context. We just read um, a chunk out of the middle, right? Because again, it starts in chapter five and goes all the way to chapter seven, and we're here in chapter six. But now, once you read the sermon all in context, then you can come back to this focus section and really start to study. I want to ask, did anything jump out at you here as I read that text? Besides the references in this section to scripture of scripture to our song, obviously you can hear some of that in our song, especially if you're familiar with it. Do you see anything? Let's say, do you see anything repeated here? For example, do not be anxious. 
This is repeated five times in this section of the sermon. Now, repetition is a very valuable tool in communicating a point. And so I'm sure that Jesus utilized repetition because he was a good orator. He was a good communicator. But it's also something that should cause us to pay attention. You see, repetition in scripture is God's way of drawing our attention to something. And here he is quite clearly communicating that we are not to be anxious. Now, I'm going to link to a very valuable resource this week. It is a series of video labs called Look at the Book by John Piper. I watched three of these lab videos in preparation for this podcast. I highly recommend you watch them as well. If you do, you'll notice that I'm using a good bit of what he what he teaches there on today's podcast. It's really, really good. I hope you go check it out. You can find the link in the show notes at michellekneesat.com forward slash 318. Or if you're a subscriber to the to my website, the link will be in the email in your inbox. And that's why I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, but also subscribe to my email list. I'm really careful not to overwhelm your inbox. I send an email only once a week, but I in that email, I include all of the notes that I take for you, commonly known as show notes, with links to resources and a link to the full show notes where you'll find the music or audio video for the week's song. Uh, I usually post lyrics to the song, chords if I can find them, um, additional resources, articles, things like that that are related to what I used in my study. So if you want the convenience of it landing in your inbox on Monday morning, then just subscribe at michellekneesat.com. All right, back to this look at the book resource. It is a video of the scripture on a screen. All you see is the text. And then John Piper has a voiceover and you watch him explain and mark up the text with his pen. And he talks through his thinking on the scripture at hand. Now, this three-episode session that I um, watched and used in my preparation for this podcast was really powerful because it highlighted method and theology and application, a trifecta, and it's the perfect complement to this podcast episode. Again, I highly recommend that you take a minute to watch them. Uh, I think they're around 10 minutes apiece. All right, so first, we know that do not be anxious is the main point. And if we look carefully, we will see that there are arguments that Jesus is making to support this main idea. Now, we can see that our main point is first introduced in verse 25 when Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now, my old pastor used to always teach us, when you see a therefore, you better look to see what it's there for. So when I bop up to verse 24, I see the first argument to support this anti anti-anxiety idea. Verse 24 says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So this is the first argument to support the idea that we, that we are not anxious. Okay. So let's take it apart a little bit here. What is Jesus implying that we're anxious about? Stuff money can buy, like food and clothing. So let's use the bite of comparing and contrasting because Jesus does it here. He he contrasts love and devotion for money versus love and devotion to God. All right. Our lives can serve our money or what money can buy for us or our lives can serve God, who we see later, knows we need the stuff and will provide it. In fact, my personal challenge to you is to use this whole section of scripture to discover other comparisons and contrasts that this first argument lays out. Love, devotion, and service to money or love, devotion, and service to God. And which one leads to what? 
Okay. Now, Jesus's next argument is pulling us in deeper to see things from a deeper level than we're used to. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? All right. Now, in this argument, we need to see the more life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Psalm 63, 3 says, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Yes, we know that food is required to sustain life here on earth. And of course, clothing is necessary to protect us from the elements and in some cases to preserve our very lives. But here Jesus is reminding us to look at the more. God's love is more. Eternal life is more than just the here and now. All right, let's look at the next argument. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? All right, the birds don't have a process of storage. How do they survive? Well, one day at a time. So where are they getting their food? The Father feeds them. And here's the promise. We are more valuable than birds. We're made in God's image. The birds are not. He values us more than birds, but he takes care of them and he will provide for us as well. All right, what's the next argument? Verse 27, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? This is probably the simplest argument of all. And I know you know this in your head, but anxiety does us no good and it doesn't help the situation. It doesn't help you in any way. Jesus is saying here, so just don't do it. Okay, one more argument. Verse 28 uh, through 30. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? All right, there's a lot we can look into here. First of all, lilies are ephemeral. They last for a very short time. They are alive today and thrown into the fire tomorrow. We are not ephemeral. We just discussed that. Our lives are more. And then I can't help but take the bite of following the cross reference here because we just studied Solomon's prayer last week and I was just reading through this section of scripture in my daily Bible reading, but I want to head back over to 1 Kings 3. I wish I had time to read it here, but maybe you'll take the time to read the whole account yourself in that chapter. But basically Solomon's at the beginning of his reign and God appears to him in a dream. And he asks Solomon, what do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. And Solomon in his dream humbly asks for wisdom to govern the people that God had given him authority over. And the scripture says that the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So what does God do? Well, he decides to give him the wisdom he asked for and then throw in riches and fame that he did not ask for. And a bonus, if he would follow and obey his decrees, a long life to boot. So when Jesus refers to Solomon being adorned in all his glory, he wasn't kidding. There was gold and fine clothes and thrones of ivory and lavish palaces and a glorious temple. Yet the lilies are adorned more beautifully than Solomon. And then who adorned both of them? God. God himself adorned the lilies and Solomon. So file this away. uh, File away that other part. The part where Solomon asked for wisdom and God gave him what he asked for and then some. File that part away because it's getting ready to come up again. But as we continue on, we see Jesus restating his main point and adding another argument. Verse 31, therefore, do not be anxious 
saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. Whenever you see a for or a therefore, that's an argument. All right. So the Gentiles are a nation who don't know God. So when you're anxious, you're acting like an unbeliever, like a person who does not know God. And then the next argument is right there next to it in verse 32. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. So this other argument is is not only, you know, one argument is if you if you you're acting like an unbeliever when you're anxious. And then the other argument is that God knows you need it. And you, you have a heavenly father who knows what we need. See there, he, he's not saying you don't need food and clothing or whatever, whatever else is your burning need right now. It's just that our lives are more than that. Plus, we have a relationship. We have a father, a provider, and not just any kind of father, but one who knows what we need and one who wants to give it to us. And the next argument is tucked in after an instruction, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What things will be added to you? Well, the things that you need. And did you see it? It's This is so like what happened to Solomon. He sought wisdom and God gave him the wisdom he needed and then lavished on top of that. That is the character of God we serve. But the lesson, the instruction, the thing that is so hard is the seeking God and his righteousness first. When we seek the things first, we are back up at the first argument. Our love and devotion and service is to money and the things that it can buy us. But but we're instructed here to seek God first so that he can then give us all these other things as well. But there's one more argument left for us not to be anxious. Uh, Jesus leads again with the main point. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for, remember, for is the argument, tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Meaning there is trouble every day. And there will be grace sufficient for that day. And here's how John Piper puts it. Tomorrow's troubles are not designed to be dealt with by today's grace. Consider Lamentations chapter 3, verse 20 through 24. It says, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Ooh, I feel that today. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. So what's next? We'll read the entire sermon of Jesus beginning in Matthew chapter 5 and ending in Matthew chapter 7. Take your time considering the section of teaching found in Matthew chapter 6 verses 24 through 34. I want you to consider the main point that Jesus is trying to make. Do not be anxious. Analyze the supporting arguments found in this text. Contemplate if you have actually fully received each argument as truth and have and have been transformed by its teaching. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. You can hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Instagram at michellekneezat. My public Facebook page is michellekneezat. And let's talk about what you're learning. 
Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank any new subscribers who have subscribed recently, like Allison from Georgia, John Patrick from the Philippines, Andrea from Ohio, and Debbie from Virginia. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website will benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. That's super helpful and a great place to start. And as I mentioned before, you'll also benefit from that once-a-week email. Um, In that, I include a weekly memory verse uh, resource that you can display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You get that email recap of the week's episode and instant access to any of the extra resources that I create for my podcast from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneesat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? Uh, This encourages me, of course, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneesat.com through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using Let There Be Wonder by Matt Redman to lead us to scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 318. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.